opportunity to come before you and hear your word today. And we bless you, we praise you, and magnify you. You are worthy to be praised and adored. And we love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for helping us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. So we're still talking about if things are impossible, call on God. Amen. Impossible? Call on God. Very possible. Amen. I uh, always like to watch kind of challenge things where people challenge themselves to be better I you know somehow this uh you know physical combat and all that kind of stuff doesn't intrigue me as much you know as uh, things that go with your inner inner uh, ability your inner resolve to get victory and uh, setting challenges for yourself and uh, I watch a, a, a show called dinner impossible on the food network and the gentleman who um, is um, involved in it is an ex-military man he's actually British uh, his name is Robert Irvine and uh, but he's a very physically fit gentleman you can tell he's but he also has this inner resolve you know uh, that that allows him to um, master certain things and they give him these challenges as far as his ability to cook and prepare meals he'll be given a time in which to prepare a meal for X number of people and uh, sometimes the circumstances aren't the best he doesn't have the best kitchen facilities and all of this so there's always some kind of challenge involved in it but you never see him like set a, a, a mediocre menu that's the thing that I always look at with him that he looks at he he serves high quality I mean he always sets a menu of high quality it's not like he well we don't have this and this and this and we can only do this so the challenge really is to keep the same level of quality and the same high standard no matter what your circumstances and I I think it's really uh, something that we can keep in mind as as believers as children of God no matter what the circumstances we can still keep the same goals the same standards we can still reach for the same high calling and the same thing in God because uh, it doesn't matter the obstacle and the circumstances none of that makes any difference whatsoever uh, because glory is our source you know I, I like that idea glory is your source whatever's out there that's where we draw from and so when we find things that are impossible in the natural or too hard in the natural we should call on God because instead of trying to figure out your own resources your own answer your own this your own that uh, call on God we need to call on him in the things that are that seem to be possible or small as well we should call on him at all times because even if some things seem like they're manageable to you why would you step up and try to take the credit for something at this point in your life you know you might as well stay on the free ride that you've been on with him and and just ride it out and see what God will do you know it takes a lot of humility to stay in that place where God can help you uh, where you're totally dependent upon him but uh, I've learned that that there's no point in wanting to jump up and be somebody at this point in your life because other than what God's made you to be and what he's established you to be in your life and so that's a good thing about serving God you can remain somewhat anonymous and just receive the blessings <laughs> just receive the and see, receive direction and then see God working in your life 
So that's a good thing about that. So things that are too hard. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the question you need to ask yourself. You know in some of these situations where you don't think it's going to happen. Or you're not sure if it's going to happen. You need to sit back and think about that. And say now is anything too hard for God? There's got to be something here that I haven't considered yet. There's got to be another way. There's got to be another answer. There's got to be something because there's nothing out here that's too hard for him so so let's put our faith in God to the challenge for change and and step out there and and start believing God for the impossible and and for things that are are much bigger than what we ever thought possible before Um, I was uh, uh, watching there was a gentleman uh, uh, minister on television and and he was saying that uh, he had an encounter with God a few years back he said totally revolutionized my life and my ministry and he said God spoke distinctly to him and said the things you're expecting are too small he said you don't believe big enough for me to come in and do much for you you see and so he said that he started to uh, take God up on that challenge and, and challenge himself to believe greater of course you, you know you got to spend more time in the word that's where your faith comes from from hearing the word and, and uh, humble yourself to God and keep your ears inclined to hear what he has to say and, and then believe that you'll get a good outcome from spending that time with God you know sometimes people see time with God as just punching in a clock and punching out you know well even if it were a job you get a paycheck from it you see and so we we have to believe that we will be increased uh, if we spend time in the word with God that there will be a benefit to it a blessing to it if, if that word, that time is spent I know many times I'll tell people uh, to listen to a healing tape till they're healed and they, they want to quit on it because they want a time limit set on things they want to know it's finished at a certain point and, and you know you can't you, that shouldn't be your goal it should not be your goal is after I get this then I'll go back to doing what you know watching TV or goofing off or whatever you do uh, when you don't uh, listen to the word and so we, we have to take it upon ourselves to understand that there is a blessing and a benefit if something seems too hard if we go to God with it and we're going to get a benefit from it whatever he tells us to do it's going to be a benefit from it so I was thinking about that about anything being too hard for God and of course we get that that scripture is in Genesis 18 and verse 14 and it's in surrounding the the promise God made to Abraham and Sarah his wife there there's been some uh confusion in their relationship there's been some you know over the years as people say you know when you've been married a long time and well you know over the years there have been ups and downs and all that kind of stuff i guess that's true for everybody but there's some things in their relationship that god needs to get on on his on his level on his standard so to speak so this is part of the impossibility is changing the relationship between these two people because they've related this way to one another for so long a relationship is depends 
course on circumstances that they faced in their lives and God wants that those that relationship put on a foundation of his standard now you know no more your own standard for your marriage but there's a godly standard now that's going to come into your life where you're going to start doing things God's way I'm going to make expectations of you and that that's going to be different and so when in eight, uh, Genesis 18 verse 14 God talks about giving uh, Abraham a son through Sarah his wife and that causes them to respond in laughter and ridicule uh, as though it's something ridiculous and she says uh, uh, and the Lord said when, when he corrected God corrects them for their attitude about it now their attitude is based on something you know people just don't get an attitude about something from nowhere and so their attitude is based on many years of trying and failing so here you see something that's been hard on for a human standard now makes us ridiculous see somehow when we tried at something and failed or we tried and it taken a long time or we tried and we didn't get it right we tried and didn't get the get to the standard that we were looking we tried and tried and tried somehow that causes us not not just to feel failure but then your mind starts to cover it up as though it's a joke you know so it gets to be a point of ridicule in your life on the inside of you you'll start to project and think other people are making fun of you and all this kind of stuff but somehow we feel made fun of because it seems foolish to want something that we never get hmm why did I even try to begin with and then 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 it starts to you know infiltrate other areas of your life you don't want to try it anything else because the last time I stepped out and tried to do something look at what happened there and so there's this this failure mentality of ridicule and and uh, where you know you you're scornful about it even <laughs> you know you, that's never going to work who you think you're talking to we've tried that already that didn't work for us all these years and so that's the state of mind and the state of heart that that Abraham and Sarah are in and so God looks at this and he says the Lord corrects them and he says verse 13 to Abram wherefore did Sarah laugh saying shall I of a surety bear a child which am old is anything too hard for the Lord see is anything too hard for the Lord he said at the time appointed I'll return now Sarah suffered uh, and Abraham for part of the, the time Abraham the, you know he had his own little personal bailout to a degree with Ishmael so some of the reproach was taken from him but then there's a different kind of stigma attached to that you know there wasn't much back in the day because that was before God gave his law uh, once God's law comes into the earth then that puts a different level of understanding and a different level of judgment and conviction on people for not obeying the law even if they're not under God you know say for instance people who were not uh, not 
part of the nation of Israel even though God gave the law to Israel the fact that the law was in the earth and there were people obeying the law and living under that law and that covenant brought a certain level of judgment and conviction on people living around them because it was God's law so God when his truth comes into a situation there's an automatic reaction to it especially when people obey that truth through faith and faith the faith that, that we have in God is what causes the reaction that we see in people around us God has a standard and he has a law in the earth in a certain people and whether those people ever speak that word to you or talk and tell you what that is their very presence believing God and obeying God brings a certain level of judgment on people around them who aren't doing it that's always true the Bible says that by faith Noah what did he do pass judgment on the whole world or condemn the world is what you you condemn people who are not in faith because you're in faith and obey God if you were just a religious Christian and just going to church and not born again and not really believe in God it, there would be no effect almost on the world around you but the fact that you by faith do these things that you do it because you know it's the right thing to do before God you're seeking to please God and you serve God puts a whole different complexion on the situation back in Abram's day it was before the law but there was a certain level of faith and confidence that he and his wife had in God that made it almost not right to him for her to for him to have a child with the maid because remember they had this discussion about it so if it were something that were just generally accepted by everybody and by them they wouldn't have had to talk it over and discuss it and both come into agreement on it so there was something some kind of truth or some standard hanging over their lives at that point that they that they disobeyed why because they forgot that God was their source glory was their source and they start to look at the situations around well everybody does that see everybody who's who's got uh, women in the household that are maids tend to have children with those maids and they're able to increase and they're able to to multiply and so forth and so on and they become great in that way and so Abram when God came into his life was being held to a higher standard than the world around him so whatever God gives you to obey it will always make you live in a higher standard than those who are around you that's why when people see Christians doing things they consider to be sinful or wrong or something they always pass judgment on us they're offended because they know we're supposed to live by a higher standard they're not sure what that is but they're watching us to see if, number one not how we live and try to emulate that but they want to see if we violate anything so that they can accuse us so the accuser of the brethren is always there for that but Abram and Sarah were very tempted. They had a promise from God that wasn't getting wasn't getting accomplished. It's, they're waiting here. They they don't know why they're waiting, but they've got they can't they somehow can't uh, get this thing to work, even though God said He was going to do it for them. See, and so when when things are impossible, when it they seem too hard, you know. 
you're old and Sarah's past menopause all this kind of stuff these things are too hard so then there's God see you look to God you don't just quit and give up but if God has promised you something and it seems past your time for being blessed that way you must again look to God because that promise is going to hang over it's going to hang somewhere in your life and you're going to always be thinking to yourself you know could I is that yeah is it really too hard or am I just looking at it wrong or uh, I thought it was over for me in that realm but maybe there's a chance here you know that kind of thing there's, that's that's what his word does with us it always makes us uh, doubt the decision that we've made to give up you got it <laughs> so you start putting doubt doubt on your your uh, failure and your giving up rather than doubt on God's word see uh, and his word is powerful in that way because it's always there bringing life and bringing uh, a hope and bringing a a chance that that this thing could still happen for you so Sarah then is is a woman by this time uh, her reputation is tied up uh, in her name. Now her name uh, Sarai means a noble woman or a woman of high esteem. And she's been pretty much negated of that. See, even your name in the natural natural circumstances will will cause you to to live below that just because of the way life is in the natural. You know, uh, I can remember some some children. Uh, Queenie, that was kind of a common name sometimes for women. They always got biblical names in in the African American community because you know Christianity is our dominant dominant uh religion or or faith and and so it was common to take names out of the bible and uh many women called their children queen esther you know after esther in the bible and so there was a lot of queenies running around and you know that were hardly queenies you understand what i'm saying but the name was there so you were you were given this great name and a name that that set you in a position of expectation in the earth and then the circumstances of life hit that name and then you get kind of ridiculed and i think this is probably where sarah some of her attitude of laughing at the good things that god wanted to bring into her life comes from See, because she's Sarah, Sari or Sarai. Sari is, I think, the way it's pronounced. Uh, her name before God changed it, um, because it means a noble woman or a woman of nobility. The fact that she had no children brought her down in the eyes of people. See, there was a reproach on a woman who was barren. Many times she was considered not very valuable. And you can tell that by the way Abram treated her uh, when they would get in situations where he would think that some other man wanted her. And what he would say, well, you know, I'm going to let somebody take you. And so that was kind of diminishing uh, in his eyes. He he devalued her because of her inability to have children. See the worst thing in the world for a man is that his wife would, would have a child by another man. 
and so if if he values her highly he wants to protect that and he wants to uh, make sure that as the mother of his children they're his children and his alone well the fact that Sarah was barren meant that she was devalued in his eyes so she's a rejected woman in a way she has a reproach and a stigma against her she was devalued by her husband and really in a way disinherited because she had no children she wasn't able to conceive and especially they found this out after uh, Abram uh, had um, Ishmael with the maid then Abram certain that it's not him but it is the wife and so they have these situations where he wants to um, kind of not treat her in a respectful manner see her nobility is coming down in his eyes and so he you know the story where he goes to Egypt because they have to go down there to survive he believes and he knows that Sarah actually is his half sister but at that time before the law you married half sisters you know and so there they they have this thing where you know you really are my sister so you're not lying to people when you tell them you're my sister and so she had to obey because he was the head of the house and he was the one that called the shots etc etc it's kind of interesting though when the question of whether or not he'd have a child with the maid he let her have some input in that decision all the other decisions he made on his own so you can sometimes that's a sign women when when men don't want to make that decision they tell you you can go ahead and make it they may be just trying to get out of responsibility for something that they don't want to it's a hard thing to do and they don't want to be involved in it so here Sarah has this stigma attached to her life now she's barren for many many years she's past the age where women would bear children but yet God has come to them uh, about 20 years earlier to promise them a child all these years go by and and they don't have any children still and and so uh Isaac comes forth I mean Ishmael comes forth through the maid but then God wants to come and reiterate his word because his word hasn't come to pass yet and any time it hasn't come to pass yet it's still out there to be received you you got to understand this about God he never calls time in fact God brings time with him whenever he brings something into your life he brings enough time to get it accomplished and this is especially important with people who uh, are facing death because of a terminal illness you know people are are so this is the lie that that the devil perpetrates about God everything God does it takes too long it takes time it's slow it won't happen quickly etc etc and so God knows though when he promises us that we can be healed he knows that he can bring enough time with him for us to be healed you see and so uh, there people will will uh, if they don't get healed at the meeting instantly they go away discouraged because they feel like that was their only chance to receive from God and they have no understanding that God brings time with him so if he tells you to get up and go to a meeting and get prayer and you know your your illness is terminal he means that he's going to heal you and you're being healed from that point on I don't care how you feel now when you get to the meeting if you don't get it instantly that person at that meeting will always encourage you 
to continue to believe God. Especially if it was a faith meeting. Now if it's something that somebody just put together you might go away and think that was your only time. But I'm telling you if you pray and ask God for direction you ask him to heal you whatever that need is. He will direct your steps to that place where you will be healed. And if you don't receive it at that point and at that time where it's visible you will have some kind of knowing inside of you that that thing is done or it's established or it's coming or something something there's something deposited in you that can keep you going to the next place you don't go around dejected and hurt and upset because you didn't get it you know if you've been believing God and so we have to uh, remember that that God brings time with him when he tells you something that he's going to do in your life he knows how much time it's going to take he knows when it's going to happen and you never run out of time You'll be right there on time with everything that God wants you to do. So you just have to keep holding on to what God has told you. So Sarah's barren and rejected. Her name means noble woman. But she's hardly noble. And that's what the enemy wants to do. Even as sinners he treats us at a level lower than what we really are. What our identity really is. For instance if you're the type of person that, that uh, say you're, you're not good in math. Uh, if somebody's trying to teach you and help you they may get frustrated and call you stupid. Or say well I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't know why I'm wasting my time with you. You can't learn. and you just All those things will be thrown at you because you challenge somebody else's patience. But you're no challenge from God. And so when when sometimes you think about some of the things that have been said. You think to yourself boy for somebody to believe that about themselves. They would have to be really really slow to accept that. And so oftentimes, even the, the labels that the enemy places on us. That are placed on us before we find the Lord. Are way beneath where we really are. You know they're degrading. And so the enemy always wants to set the bar lower. And establish us in an identity lower than what we really really are in in reality. So Sarah because her name means noble woman or, or exalted woman. The enemy wants to drag her down in this by having she's got everything she's got a husband they're very wealthy they've moved out of the land that they uh, came from they're serving God now but then there's something missing and I think that's a place that's too hard for us and we need to call on God if we want that thing resolved if we want that thing to happen for us we have got to call on God and we've got to believe him and trust him with it and so when we get to these things that are too hard uh, that's a good time to call on God because he's the only one that can lead us in the direction where that thing will come to pass for us and that thing will manifest but we have to keep our faith strong we have to keep reviving our faith and I think that's something that we can see where God helped Abram and Sarah quite a bit uh, through the years he would always reappear to them he would always come back and reappear reiterate what he had told them in the beginning 
And I think that's wonderful because that's the job that the Holy Spirit does for us now. Sometimes when you get to your mind starts wandering and you start thinking, uh, you know, well, you know, I used to believe that I could do this or I used to believe God wanted me to do that and all this kind of stuff. Then the Holy Spirit will, will refresh and revive that in your thinking. He'll reiterate what God has said. That That's his job to keep us. And that means to keep us in faith, keep us in hope and keep us in expectation. And so you'll see God comes back to visit Abram and Sarah when it is time. So you can say then that Sarah was rejected because she was barren because it wasn't her time yet. See everything in time and when people are putting you down and ridiculing you they have no concept of when your time is and what your time is for your miracle. And we have to remember that because the accuser of the brethren can can, uh, uh, manifest through anybody to cause us to be discouraged about what God has given us and what he's going to do. So Sarah is is uh, barren. She's rejected, forsaken. Uh, she's a type of, of believer who hasn't really walked in the fulfillment of the blessings of God yet. Sometimes we can be obedient to God and doing the best we know to do and still not have what he's promised us. Now might be older than the average person. That's going through what we think we're supposed to receive. And in that circumstance it's too hard for us. We don't, we don't know the next move to make in order to make this thing happen. And so that's the time we have to really uh, knuckle down and depend on God. And so <clears throat> God knows that and he comes and he, he uh, promises Abram and Sarah something but he does something different to them this time and it makes a big difference in their their faith it makes a big difference in their expectation and we call it a breakthrough but really he begins to uh, form a covenant with them so that they can walk more hand in hand with God instead of just God visiting and they calling on him from time to time there's a, a different level of uh, relationship with God that's needed to bring this thing to pass and I think this is where a lot of times believers instead of pressing in they tend to shrink back see that discouragement and that self ridicule and all of that can cause you to pull back from God instead of pressing into him and so if it's something that, that seems too hard and it's up, you're up against a wall instead of getting discouraged by that wall and shrinking back and say well you know I mean we're doing the best we can and we're where we need to be right now we don't need any more we don't you, you understand what I'm saying making excuses for our lack you know which may not even be lack it may not be it may just be that it's not scheduled for right now you see so and and we never find this out though until we press into God to find out all the ins and the outs of it somehow standing on the outside of the promise or not having the promise makes us feel that we're not entitled to it and so sometimes we may be afraid to seek God about something because we're 
scared of what he's going to tell us. Well he's already said yes. I mean there's no no answers in God. Except if it's illegal, immoral, irrational and just stupid. You know. But if, if, there's a, if he's ever told you it was yours. He's still telling you it's yours. It's just coming at, at its own pace now. And it's coming at its own time. And I think this is something we don't want to accept about the promises of God. That they can't be had in a snap all the time. You know we want to believe. And we somehow been taught to expect that if it's faith. You know we should be working on it. ought to be on its way. And all this kind of stuff. But faith is now. But patience helps us to wait for it doesn't it. So we need patience to do that perfecting work in us so that we can receive what God has for us when he has it for us so and you can't help the seasons in God there's nothing you can do about them the only thing we can do is try to appreciate them and roll with them as they say excuse me and and let God do his thing in our lives and still believe him and still trust him you know there's no harm in believing God even if you feel it's past time like Abram and Sarah there was no harm in believing God even in the past time you know faith in God is faith in God what what you know what is it what does it mean to you that it seems that it's past time as far as earth is concerned yes but as far as God's concerned no he brings time with him he's got a miracle for people and so uh, Sarah then is is in a place where she's kind of on the outside. She's living with this woman and this other child in the house. And she's even more devalued than when uh, Abram take, took her down to Egypt. And she was part of Pharaoh's household of all of his wives and concubines. She wasn't special then. She was one of a number. God wants us all to be special and not just one of a number but he wants us to stand out in the way that that we can see ourselves the way he sees us. We're not just trash and ordinary and, and everyday people. We're special to him and he's called us out as special people. And so he has to make that change in us so that we can, can know who we really are. So she's been devalued by her husband, disinherited really, uh, because she has no children. There's nobody to carry on her seed. Uh, But God comes along one day and increases her worth and increases her value. Just in one, one day he shows up. And everything changes. Everything in her outlook changes. Everything in her life changes. Why? Because it was too hard. It was just too hard. It was too hard for them. See having things in your life that are too hard. There's no crime. That's not a crime. You know having things that, that challenge you and you can't master. that There's no shame there. This is just a need for God. When did we get ashamed of needing God? Huh? Don't we sing them songs? I need thee. Oh, I need thee. All that kind of stuff. But then in the same breath, we want to get up and do it ourselves. And so that get up and do it ourselves is kind of what gets us in trouble. It's what got Abraham and Sarah in trouble most of the time. Instead of depending on God and respecting him and saying, you know what, God? I'm going to wait for you to lead me. I'm going to wait for 
for the the blessing of God. I'm going to wait for the leading of God. I'm going to wait for the the uh, uh, the uh, unction of God to move out and do this. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I don't have anything to prove to you. I don't have, you know who I am. <laughs> you know what I was when you called me. And you know who I am now. And so I have nothing to prove to anybody. So I can be patient with this. I can humble myself with this. I don't have to strive. I don't have to fight anybody. I can just allow God to move in my life. And that's what it's about. Allowing him to move. These things that are hard for us. He leaves there so that we can honor him. And, and remember him you know that we can't move these things sometimes there are things that you can do so easily and then you get to one thing and you want why am I having trouble with this why is why is this a problem you know it's just your need for God you, you got to cry out to him when things are too hard she was devastated by her husband really uh, and devalued by him that's a hard thing to have to live with and so her having a child became a joke to her over the years it was something uh, you know ridicule I, you know I tried my times past it's a joke and so forth and so on and so uh, Abraham laughed at Sarah having a child and so did Sarah which tells you a lot about how we view life and how we view things. Sometimes we'll laugh at people that we see who are trying to serve God. You know, maybe having problems with it or maybe making mistakes, so forth and so on. And sometimes we get angry with them, judge them. You know, we don't want to uh, cooperate with them and so forth and so on. But we have to understand that, that God has a time for those people to get through those obstacles that they're facing so that they can get to the other other side and he can exalt them and and they can they can be who God has called them to be so Abram and and Sarah both laugh at God and and, you know this is a a thing that God has to help them to deal with see this past past experience the past life the failures of the past the the old nature as we call it the old man that has to be dealt with and God dealt with them with it through covenant and that's what he deals with us through is through covenant. Now we consider uh, when we're born again we consider that everything. But see that wasn't that's not what covenant really is. That's the, the beginning of it. But God expects us to walk in covenant with him like he did Abraham. And so in chapter 17 verse 1 it says when Abram was 90 and 9 years old the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him I am the almighty God walk before me and be thou perfect. So he's putting a demand on Abram for a certain level of obedience to him. There's a demand for a certain level of obedience now. So he's saying our relationship now has got to change. Because I'm getting to the point now where I'm going to bring to pass the thing that I told you I was going to bring to pass. He says and I'll make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Now when we talk about salvation or think about it we don't think like this. About God making a covenant between us and him. We just think Jesus died for my sins. My sins are forgiven. I'm born again. I live in grace. You know and whatever that means to people. 
And so we have a covenant. He said this is an agreement between me and you. This is personal. This is something where I'm dealing with you and you're dealing with me. And so there's relationship here that is continual and not just a one-time profession of Christ as Savior. See? This is what I think sometimes is the missing ingredient in in people's they, they get they don't zero in enough on the personal aspect between them and God. There's an expectation of of them in God, and God has an expectation for Himself toward them. See, it's not personal after a while. It just gets to be a set of rituals. Go to church, give, do this, do that. And it's detached from any kind of personal connection with God. Because we watch what other people do and see what they do. And we want to hear good testimony. And we want to do this. And we want to do that. And then it becomes void of this personal covenant between me and him like he made with Abram. And he says, I'm making an expectation of you. See, it's the expectation aspect of our covenant that we shy away from as believers. And oftentimes we'll see people trying to live in God expectation. We call them legalistic. We say that they're religious, that they're the you because they're trying to please God the best way they can. The reason they can't please him too much, they don't think, is because they don't have much example of people who really have a personal relationship where they're seeking to please God. We'll get up and give a testimony. God gave some money and God blessed me and God gave me this and God gave me that. But we don't talk about personal aspects of relationship with God. Hmm? Well, God, God is expecting me to to watch my tongue with people. God's expecting me to to do better in His way of His example for my family. God's expecting me uh, to be a better mother to my children, a better father, and a better husband, a better wife, a better employee. All these things they, these are part of our personal covenant with God. These are the expectation aspects, and so there is a a personal thing here that. That God wants to work out with all of us where we will know that when we get to an impossible thing we can call on him and he'll help us plow through and he'll be with us and give us our breakthrough. We'll be able to get over on the other side of this and we won't be afraid to do our part. We won't be uh, thinking that if we do these things as God requires they won't pay off. You know, We'll know that they pay off because we know it's part of our personal faith development in God. We've got to walk before him and respect that we have a relationship with him that's going to pay off for us in that we will receive the thing that's promised to us if we'll obey him. See? And and this is something that's it, there's not there's not there's too much detachment from the relationship aspect. There's too much detachment uh, for us to really see ourselves the way Abram. Abram had faith in God because he was attached to him in covenant. He kept what God told him to do. He says in verse 3, and Abraham fell on his face before God. That means he worshipped him and then God talked to him. He says, as for me, behold my covenant is with you and you'll be a father of many nations. 
neither shall your name anymore be called Abram but your name shall be Abraham now Abram means exalted father Abraham means father of a multitude so even your best day as a sinner God will make it better you got me even your best opportunity or your best efforts without him he will increase once you start being obedient to him see obedience to God will never go unrewarded it will never go unrewarded I don't care if it's a legalistic obedience he sees you doing the best you can it's better than somebody sitting around not trying at all you got me you're trying he can correct he can always slow down a team of runaway horses they say but it's hard to beat a dead one and bring it to life and get it to move you got me and so people who are moving if you're moving you can easily be corrected and veered right back on the right path again but if you're not up and doing anything it's going to be hard for God to just make you get up and do and motivate you he wants you to keep covenant and he says I'll make you exceedingly fruitful make nations and kings and establish my covenant between you and your seed and and you for generations as an everlasting covenant to be a God to you see he says I'm going to be God to you I'm going to be everything to you you're not going to be under man's dominion you're not going to be under uh, you know uh, uh, a domineering parents a domineering kick Uh, teachers husband wife family lording it all over you I'll be God to you so when you need something you come to me and then I will instruct you on how to be successful in everything you do so this is a whole different level of relationship that God is establishing between himself and Abram Miss Wanda, why don't you open your drapes behind you? It's kind of dark in your little corner where you are. Oh, it's too cold? (laughs) All right, you need a little bit of light there. And so he says he will establish his covenant with you. Now this is something that was kind of rare. This, This was the first man that God's having this kind of personal relationship with him. Where he expects something from him and then he can in turn expect something from God. See that's a two way thing. God is is telling Abram there's something I want you to do on a consistent basis to please me. Not just a little bit here and a little bit there and call me when you need something or I come find you when you're in trouble. But we're going to walk together in this life. You're going to walk with me and I'm going to walk with you. Now we know that there were certain other men in the Bible that he had this kind of relationship. Enoch was one. And then there was uh, um, uh, Noah was another one. But here he's offering it to this man and his descendants forever. So this is going to be an everlasting covenant. So he certainly is going to exalt him and he's going to establish him. And he says I'll establish my covenant verse 7 between me and you and your seed after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and your seed after you. And I will give to you and to your seed after you the land where you are a stranger all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession so he's establishing you in a way that you have a permanent 
establishment in the earth. In other words, your seed are not going to die off. Your, your name will not be removed from the earth. And you will have a permanent earthly possession for your children to possess. And he says, I'll give to you the, and your seed after you the land wherein you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan. You shall keep my covenant therefore you and your seed after you and your generation. So there's something God's expecting us to do to keep covenant with him. He's expecting it. It's worship for us. It's it's always worship. That's love the Lord God with all your heart to obey His commandments and to continue to seek God for what else He wants to employ you in in the earth. See, it's not just a personal thing for you to get your needs met thing, but we have now a different mandate on us. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's how we create seed for God. That's how we reproduce for God. And so this same thing about having a permanent possession for us and our seed after us. Translates now into spiritual seed. Where we can go forth and make disciples out of all men. We're sharing Christ with people. We're bringing people into covenant with God. That's how we produce for God. So there's natural seed, but just as important is supernatural seed that God expects us to bring uh, to him as as a an inheritance, as part of our inheritance in him. He says, and this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and your seed after you. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. Now this is the old covenant that they lived under. But the new covenant similarity is the circumcision of the heart. So God expects all people to be born again as a result of our interaction with them. As a result of our keeping covenant with God. We're to go forth and make disciples out of all men. Increasing his seed in the earth. Increasing his family in the earth. Increasing his kingdom in the earth. And that's how we're multiplied. That's how we have Abraham's faith. His faith in us now translates to be a circumcision of the heart. Wherein we we with a, a sacrificial attitude toward God can go forth and preach the gospel. That sacrifices is always <clears throat> part of it. We don't really think about it as such, but it is. You know, that sacrifices, you might have a little concern about are they going to, you know, how it is before you speak to somebody about the Lord, you're kind of in yourself. And you have that fear. Is this the right time? Am I going to get rejected? Maybe they already know Christ. What are they? You know how that thing works in us. And so when you go out to witness door to door to people, there's that. You know what I'm saying? That's you in yourself, in your natural man. The sacrifice then is stripping that away, cutting that away. Letting that be cut so that you can get the greater glory to come forth out of you. There's always that sacrifice, folks. I don't care. And you can get really good at witnessing to people. But that that awareness of you coming out of your normal self and stepping into that mode in the spirit where you don't matter. The only thing that matters is the message. 
that you've come to deliver. You got me? And so when you, that's the sacrifice. That, that thing is cut every time you speak to somebody. Every time you share Christ with somebody. You are sacrificed in importance. You are diminished. That's why many times people, some people uh, can bear more fruit than others. Because they get to the point where it doesn't matter to them whether or not it's received. It doesn't matter to them that they might say the wrong words. It doesn't matter to them. All that stripped away. Uh, becomes your circumcision and so you you make that sacrifice every time you open up your mouth for God so he says that's going to be the covenant that you're going to keep you're going to keep that with me and you're going to do that from generation to generation and then he drops down and he says and your wife Abram remember her verse 15 as for Sarah your wife you shall not call her Sari, but Sarah shall be her name. Uh, Sarah, we said, meant noble woman. But this one is, is Sarah means princess. And it means someone who is highly blessed and favored. And it also means she has an inheritance now. That's very important because princess means that she is in line as royalty but also she's, been, she's got an inheritance now in the earth. And he says I will, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be her offspring. And Abram fell upon his face and laughed. See Sarah's a joke. Mm-hmm. You got me? Sometimes in other people's eyes you are a joke. Because you've been believing God for a while. You got me? Too long. Haven't had it. You haven't received it yet. What happened to you? Oh, did you get that? Did, did, did your husband come home yet? You know, it, it, It's a joke to people. Because they're on the outside of faith looking in toward you. What you got to be careful of is you don't step on the outside of the promise with them. You got me? And pick up their attitude about it. And that's really what had happened to Abram and Sarah. They had been been allowing this delay because it was not God's time. She was barren because it wasn't God's time for her to have children yet. One time for Isaac. You got me? If it's not time, it's not time folks. You can't make it time if it's not time. You just have to accept it and that God brings time with him. You know, people will say things like, well, you know, uh, we were separated and divorced and all those years went by and, uh, you know, we, we could have had, you could have been boring each other to death. You got me? Or fighting the same old fights or you over in your corner watching him with the remote. I can tell you what you missed. Because <laughs> I've been there. I was there for a lot of years. <laughs> it's an old joke, okay? Take my wife, please. I know everybody's you remember that. Remember him, Henny Youngman? You remember him too, um, Marsha. He was a comedian, he played a fiddle, and he would just play this fiddle. Take my wife, please. <laughs> it was an old joke. <laughs> Or it would be like, take my wife. They say, please. (laughs) Very old joke. But anyway, (laughs) 
But you, you understand what I'm saying. God can make up for that. In fact, I think he makes up for it in the years that they're missing. I used to think the Bible said he can restore the years. He restores the years in their time. In the now. You got me? Because he can make your life very fruitful, very productive, very enjoyable, even though there's a missing piece somewhere. Got me? And that's what he does for us because we our glory is our source. Amen. And so he said to Abram, you you know, you call her name Sarah and I'll bless her and, and all this. And Abram fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old? And so Sarah, Sarah, who is 90, bear. And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. See, this is what this is saying. It's too hard for me to believe you're going to do it. You come to the point where things are too hard for your faith at the level that it is. And don't try to play games with you and between you and God and say you're in faith or you're still believing or something. Sometimes things are too hard. And if they're too hard for you to believe, then you've got to call on God to help you. Because He is your helper of your faith. That we always think we got faith outside of God. We got faith in God. And so he has to be a partner with you in these things. And if they're getting too hard for you, you got to let him know that. And so he says, and, and God said, Sarah, your life, wife shall indeed bear you a son. And you'll call, he gives him his name and everything. Now once God names something, you better believe it's on the way. He says, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So I give him the same promise I give you. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Huh? I hear everything you say. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Sometimes you think because it hasn't happened yet, he didn't hear you. He said, I heard you. And behold, I blessed him. I'm going to make him fruitful. And I'm going to multiply him exceedingly. You see evidence of that in the Arab nations. All them's Ishmael's seed. And he says twelve princes shall he beget. And I will make him a great nation. However he will not outdo Isaac. He said Isaac I'm going to establish. See Isaac will go on forever. Ishmael is going to be for a season. In his season he's going to be great. In his time on the earth he's going to be great. He says but I'm going to establish Isaac. You rather be established than blessed. Because blessings can come and go. Blessings can come for a season. But you want to be established. What's the difference? When we look at God as just the God of the material. Go to him for our bills paid we go to him when we're we need a promotion we go to him when we we are looking to be blessed when you can expect these things on a continual basis then you're established you got me there should be no reason that a child of God cannot get established in their faith for certain needs being met in abundance 
and not have to always look to God to bring it in and pray real hard for it and stop this and stop that and stop the other. And how are we established? We're established through obeying the covenant. You walk hand in hand with God, you never have any doubt about anything you need in life. In fact, you have no wants when you walk with him. You know that anything that's in your heart that you desire, you can you can receive it and it will come to pass because you walk hand in hand with him. Now, you're going to have some people that want to fight you on that. You're going to have some people that think you're not up to it. Got me? They're going to always be there. Hmm? The earth is always going to tell you you're not deserving of it. The earth is going to tell you that the way you're going about it is wrong. God don't bless people like that. He doesn't do things like that. Yet you will be established. Why? Because you keep covenant. You just keep keeping covenant. You just keep doing what God tells you to do. You just keep consistent in what he tells you to keep consistent in. And you will be established in the earth. And that's what he wants. People he can establish here. He says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac. Which Sarah shall bear unto you at this set time in the next year. So now God's bringing time with him when this thing is going to come to pass. Everything that he promises us. If we receive it in faith, there is a set time for it coming forth and he brings the knowledge of that time with us at some point, with him at some point. And he says, Abram took everybody and he went as obedient. Same thing that he's always done. The minute God tells him to do something, he gets up and he does it. And he was 90 years old and 9 when he circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Abram, Ishmael, his son, was 13 when he was circumcised. And, and so uh, uh, Abram, Abraham now brings everybody into, in that household in covenant and obeys God. And he walks before God and is perfect before God. So what he has done now is set in motion a tradition and an ordinance that will be followed with all of the people in his household forever. Amen. And so he, he must have good command of his household. Because they all submit to it and they all obey. In chapter 18, uh, Abram appears to, to uh, him again. And he goes to the tent door. And, and Abram lifts up his eyes and looks. And three men stood be, beside him. And, and um, they, Bible scholars say this is what they call a theophany. It's a picture of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he saw them. He ran to meet them at the tent door and worshiped them. Said, my Lord, if it, I found favor, let me... Let me uh, bring something for you to eat. He's making covenant with these men. They're not just visiting. Uh, he wants them to stay. And he turned to uh, Sarah and told her to hurry up and, and get ready this. And we're going to have covenant with these men here. And so forth and so on. And so in verse 10. Uh, the Lord begins to speak to him in uh, verse 9 he says where is Sarah your wife and he says behold in the tent and he said I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life and lo Sarah your wife shall have a son and Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him now Abram and Sarah were old and well stricken in age and had ceased to be with her after the manner of women in other words she had passed childbearing age therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying after I'm whacked 
waxed old shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also. And so this laughter God has to root out of both of them. Their attitudes have to change about this promise. And so God comes in and he corrects them in this so that they can have faith in the place of that so that these things can come to pass. And see in our lives if you have a covenant with God there are certain things that you are going through in your life to bring to break that foolishness off of you. To break that ridicule of what God's promised you off of you. Uh, to to uh, carve that out and replace it with faith. And replace it with a seriousness that God promised you something. And he intends to give it to you. And you're not going to just be on the outside all the time looking in hoping you can get in there and and have what God has for you you'll be able to step into these things but he's got to break that off of you first you got to deal with that thing on the inside of you and so God sets about to correct it by saying is anything too hard for God he said Sarah you're only laughing because it's too hard for you to do on your own you're only laughing because you're past age. And it's if I was expecting you to do this in the natural, I'd let you do it a long time ago. But you're going to need my supernatural help to get just this basic thing. It was so easy for the maid to have a baby with, with, uh, with uh, Abram. Uh, but it was hard for Sarah. Too hard. So she needs God's help. You got me? And so things that may seem easy, even easy for other people. Did you know you look at it and say well it looks like they just breeze through this stuff. How can they do that? So how can they just believe you for this stuff like this? It's too hard for you but that doesn't mean God won't bring it to you. But he's got to do some prepping. Got to grab some stuff out of you. And got to take all those years of being laughed at and being ridiculed and being put down. He's got to put all of that to rest. He's got to get that out of them. So that they can now have faith in its place. When he says walk before me and be thou perfect. That means you walk hand in hand with me. And if you'll stay with me. All those attitudes that are hindering you from receiving by faith will get corrected. See they can't be corrected any other way. They got to be corrected through relationship with God. And this is sometimes what people don't want to do. They don't want to take it to God and say you know God I would like to believe you for this but I just can't do it. It just seems like it's really too hard for me. Seems like it's so far away that I can't can't really do what what you say I'm able to do and so he says is anything he says as of a surety she shall bear a child and he says is anything too hard for the Lord at the time appointed I'll return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son and Sarah said no I didn't laugh for she was afraid and said he said no but you did and so what God does is he pins her down to owning how she feels see sometimes we have to be pinned down to own how we feel and how we think about things you can't cover them over and gloss them over and pretend they're not there and try to confess them away and all that kind of stuff you have to own it and so Sarah owns that she feels ridiculed she owns that she feels small she owns that if she was hurt when her husband would take her places and say she wasn't his wife she wanted to be held up in high esteem 
you know how would you like it if you went somewhere with a man you were married to and he denied that he was married to you hurt it would hurt now I mean if it hurts now it would probably hurt then you understand it pain is pain and so you have to uh, see that God has to root this out this is an issue between them this is something that's not been right and so he wants to make that relationship right so that they can go into this new thing that he's promised them so this new thing requires a change in their names they're now under God they're now with God they're now in covenant with God so the name change really maps out a new identity for sure but also a new destiny when we came to God he changed who we were changed our names we're not sinners anymore we're children of God sons and daughters of the most high God first Peter 2 9 says that we are royalty we got that through Abram and Sarah Sarah was called a princess then we are children of a princess amen so we're royalty so when we come into the knowledge of Christ we are no longer that people we are the people of God we we are a priesthood as well so we are servants still I know the scripture says you're, you're no more servants or no, but that, that implication is no longer mere servants when you come into an inheritance in God we are heirs as well as sons sons always serve the father sons always do whatever the father says so <clears throat> we were sinners but now we are Christians we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and he expects us to walk in obedience to that covenant so that we can be blessed so that name changes everything sets us on a new course new destiny so then just that small thing with Abram and Sarah when they start calling themselves by their new names that built their faith up and who God said they were and that brought faith for the expectation of God's word to finally come to pass for them so when you start calling yourself a Christian or calling yourself a saint or calling yourself a believer whatever you want to call yourself there that sets a new mindset on the inside of you it, it, it has to it changes how you think about yourself I can remember when uh, um I had a pastor once and he would always say praise the Lord saints and so you know that was kind of a new word for me and I thought saints I said oh boy and I always thought about the statues in the Catholic Church you know with the and I thought boy you got to do a lot to be a saint is that really us and then I read the epistles and Paul referred to the church as saints you know called to be saints so forth and so on and it took a new meaning for me and I began to get comfortable with that title got me so there it depends on what you get comfortable with what you adjust to on the inside is what you're going to live out as you walk this earth with God there are going to be many other things that he's going to bestow upon you 
in in ways of speaking to you. Beloved is one of the terms that God uses to describe us. And if that rubs you the wrong way, then you've got to get accustomed to somebody loving you and wanting you to be drawn near to them. Got me? And so these are the things that God does to help us to get comfortable in our new to shed that old reproach, to shed that old attitude, to shed that old laughter and ridicule and thinking we're a joke on the inside because God wants to do something great with us and accept now the new thing that he has the new dignity the new position the new inheritance and so forth so Sarah was able to come out of that because at the appointed time she absolutely bore Abram a son and Isaac's name then was laughter see the ridicule that they felt where they laughed within themselves birthed a son who was God's laughter in other words Isaac was the last laugh you got me God got the last laugh on everybody because all those people who had laughed at her behind her back now she comes up with this baby and she says oh yeah as a matter of fact you laughed at me before and look what that produced I birthed the laugh out into the earth and this is the last laugh on you because God has taken away my reproach and he's elevated me and not just to have this child but many 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 sons will be birthed out of my seed and God will let the seed go on forever because I was patient with God and we came into covenant with God and I didn't give up when it got too hard for me I realized it wasn't too hard for God if he promised it he's faithful to bring it to pass and whatever he needs to do in me to get my cooperation he's going to do that amen why don't we stop father in heaven we thank you for knowing that we're not in this on our own but if God's promised us something he's promised us also that if we are uh, come walk before him and and be obedient to what he tells us to do he will certainly bless us so we thank you for that knowledge we thank you for that understanding and we praise you for it Lord in Jesus name amen praise God amen if anybody needs prayer come on up and I'll pray for you